If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. And he swings, hits it high, and deep, and gone! Still going back! Welcome back to The Call-Up, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. As always, I'm your host, Aram Layton, and on today's episode, we are talking about the Arizona Fall League. I'm actually recording this as I am packing, or I guess taking a break from packing, for the Arizona Fall League. I'm heading out there tomorrow. Today is Monday, October 17th, recording this in the afternoon, heading out in the morning of the 18th tomorrow to go catch as many games as humanly possible. I'm really appreciative of... The Arizona Fall League set me up. I'm going to have credentials out there, so I'm going to get a lot of firsthand video, batting practice. I don't know if you follow Josh Norris from Baseball America, but he does an unbelievable job of covering the Fall League, especially on the video side of things. So drawing some inspiration from the way that he covered things uh, in regards to the video aspect. And then I'm very excited, if you can't tell already, to sit down with a handful of players. And those interviews will be featured on this podcast throughout the week and the week after that. Tons of really interesting interviews with very, very exciting prospects. You know how good the prospects are out there. If you missed the episode that we recorded a few weeks back, kind of highlighting all of the relevant prospects in the fall week, definitely go check that out because we're going to be sitting down with plenty of them. You can expect a handful of interviews with big-name prospects at the fall league over the next week, and I'll be cutting those up and putting those episodes out, as well as Recording episodes on my takeaways. I'm really excited to also just be able to see a lot of these guys firsthand because it's a lot of players that I have not had the chance to see in person either ever or in some time. And the other thing I wanted to talk about in this episode is, you know, what to take away from the Arizona Fall League and how excited can you get about the guys that are really performing? How concerned should you be about the guys that, you know, are not performing well? I want to give you a little bit of a primer of my thoughts on that because it's very fair and understandable to see Fans get excited about their prospects that are performing, especially when, let's say, your team is eliminated and you are just watching the postseason. You want some relevancy to your team. And, oh, wow, you watch your former first rounder launch a nuke in the Arizona Fall League. Of course, that's really exciting. There's no doubting that it's an offensive driven league, given how easy it is for the ball to carry out there. But I also want to talk about, you know, what things you can focus on in the Fall League that can actually be looked at as true indicators of you know improvements or success or momentum heading in the right direction going into next year and it does really help that you know we have access to data now that can give you a little bit more context because it's one thing to see the doubles and the homers but it's another thing to see 
how the ball is coming off of the bat for a lot of these hitters. Something I didn't have access to before. Very excited to be able to look at that. See the exit velos. See how guys are throwing as well. There's some very exciting pitching prospects out there too, which we had a few last year. I really liked what Owen White did and that turned into what was the first domino of him really turning into a top 100 prospect in the Texas Rangers org. There's guys like Kumar Rocker, speaking of the Rangers, of course, Tink Hens, and several other very notable pitching prospects that, again, uh, you got to take maybe a little bit of the home runs with a grain of salt. I know Quinn Priester struggled with the long ball and just struggled in general a little bit out there. Take that with a grain of salt. I really want to watch the command, uh, how these guys' stuff just really looks overall. And yes, of course, the stats will matter to a degree, but if a guy looks really good and gets burned by a couple long balls in the fall league, I'm still going to come away with a positive outlook on that player. So that's why I'm very excited to get out there because it's so hard to keep up with every aspect of it. I'm going to fill you in on who's been performing well in the fall league. That's what this episode is largely predicated on. Uh, And then also a little bit of an idea of what you can expect coverage wise. But let's start with who's performing because there have been some interesting performers that, again, I am very excited to see. And the best hitter so far, I would would argue consistency wise, has been Austin Martin. Austin Martin of the Minnesota Twins. And, you know, I always want to say Toronto Blue Jays. Of course, that's who drafted him. And it's almost become an afterthought that that he was traded in that Barrios deal because he really kind of disappeared this year as a prospect. He really struggled. We know that it was a tough year for Austin Martin. And this is somebody that, of course, I've been lower on as a just my evaluation of him as a prospect. That being said, I've always maintained that I thought he was a high floor bat that should be a at least average big leaguer. But what he looked like this past season in double A for the Twins was maybe not even a big league caliber piece here. I mean, in 90 games in double A, he slashed 241, 367, 315. Sure, the on-base percentage looks good, but two home runs, you only had 18 extra base hits. That's a problem. He did swipe 34 bags on 39 tries, which is good because I did have some questions as to whether that speed was closer to 50 than 60. I think he's kind of being able to show that it's more right at the 55 point. And also the walks, again, are really encouraging. But the way he was hitting the ball, it was it was really shockingly soft. I know he is somebody that has always had questions with the power and this is a hitter friendly environment. So that's obviously going to be somewhere where it ticks up a little bit, but his exit velos are up. There's some adjustments to his swing that I really like. So he's somebody that, for example, I want to take a very holistic approach to this fall league where I'm looking at different things for different guys. When it comes to Zach Veen, I don't really care about his batting practice. I know what he can do in batting practice. I want to see how Zach Veen is doing against some of the more advanced arms. Uh, See if he's cutting down on the whiff, see what his approach looks like. For Austin Martin, I know that he's going to have a good approach in game and he's going to make good swing decisions. I actually really want to see Austin Martin's batting practice. I want to see what he's focusing on, what he's working on. I've seen his batting practice in the past, see what he's doing in terms of being able to hit the ball with authority to all fields in that BP and then see how it translates in games. Of course, I very much want to see how he's doing in games and he's done really well so far. But the point being, there's some guys that there's more importance on what they're doing even on the practice field that I want to see. And then there's other guys where I'm almost all in focusing on the games. And of course, everybody's going to have a little bit of everything, but there's certain priorities with certain players. Martin, 16 for 32 through his eight games already. He has a home run. He's stolen five bags, four walks, two strikeouts. So I mean, we know that Martin is going to get on base. We know he's not going to strike out. But what kind of impact do we have with that bat? And it looks like he's made some adjustments. So I'm not going to 
dive too deep into it because I want to see him in person first before I do this whole breakdown and everything. Uh, but the early you know, results from afar have looked solid, and I'm excited to dive deeper into what Austin Martin is doing out there. Again, this is going to be kind of your primer for what you can expect from me coverage-wise, and definitely follow along at RM Late Nate on Twitter because I'll be posting a lot of the videos of the games that I'm at on there. And then, of course, at JustBaseball.com, I will be writing up a lot of my takeaways and, of course, discussing them on here. But the video will be embedded in those articles as well. Uh, I have a lot of fun breaking down swings and stuff on the website. That's something I've been doing a lot more of is embedding those videos, breaking down the swings, and, and writing that all up as well. But Jackson Merrill might be the guy I'm most excited to see because his stock is rising rising, rising. He's one of my favorite breakout candidates for next year. He's in the San Diego Padres organization, first round pick last year, uh, was an underslot first rounder so that the Padres could go over slot James Wood. What a draft that was. Of course, Wood ends up getting shipped out to Washington to get Juan Soto. Worked out for them, obviously, as they are making a push towards the World Series now in the NLCS. Congratulations to Padres fans. But there's no doubting that Preller has depleted this system. Of course, in and all for the right reasons, they're competing and making a really good run and just upset one of the best regular season teams ever. However, there's one thing that A.J. Preller does almost as well as depleting a farm system. It's building it back up. And Jackson Merrill, I think, is the latest success story. A great pick. A big helium guy late going into the draft after a growth spurt. I even talked to some guys that saw him at the area code games, his coaches at the area code games, who said he was their most consistent hitter all year. He's big. He's projectable too physically. So I'm very excited to see you know what kind of raw power there is in there. I've seen flashes of it, but being able to watch the batting practice, being able to watch him for several games, very eager to see what that looks like. He's been really good so far. This this 10-game stretch in the fall league, 10 games, he has 15 hits. He's hitting 366 with a 905 OPS. Zach Veen is someone I may be as excited to see as anyone as well because Veen has looked fantastic. And I had big concerns with with Veen's swing and miss. Uh, That was something that uh, really became evident this year. I know he's young, he's raw, I'm not sounding the alarms, but if we're talking about him relative to some of the other most elite prospects, and that's where he was ranked, you got to be nitpicky. There was some swing and miss. However, in these 26 at-bats so far in the fall league, he's only struck out twice. So interested to see if there's any small adjustments that he has made to be able to shorten up, be more consistent. Very eager to see that. How about Nick York? Nick York had a disaster of a season. He's looked pretty good so far in the fall league in the early going. The thing is, is all of these talented hitters are going to put up good numbers. That's why I can't wait to get there because you're going to see tangible adjustments or not. And that will help you kind of, or help me, I should say, help me kind of figure out who I am buying or selling on in terms of their fall league performance. Another player who I just haven't seen at all, so I'm just interested to see him in person, is Luis Angel Acuna. I have not seen Acuna at all. Clearly has a lot of hype. The Acuna name helps, but had a great year overall too, so that will help as well. Eager to see what kind of tools and skill set he has as a player with great bloodlines and, again, came off a really solid season. Just highlighting the specific most impressive performers or leaders, I would say, in each statistic. Home runs, Matt Mervis. I don't need to see anything else of Matt Mervis, but I'm excited to sit down and talk with Mervis of the Chicago Cubs and Acuna, by the way, in the Texas Rangers organization. But Mervis, four homers. He now has 40 on the season. Again, I don't need to see anything else. To me, he is the starting first baseman for the Chicago Cubs next year or DH, whatever you want, wherever you want to put him. But he is the starting guy for them. 
no doubt about it, unless they are crazy. So I'm excited to just sit down with him and talk to him about what's going on in the fall league and you know how he finished the season because last time we had him on the podcast he was just getting called up to double a a lot has happened since then so looking forward to that sit down with him hoping to catch up with brennan davis who i am so excited to just see him healthy and playing and finally tapping into power davis another chicago cubs prospect who should get up next year He fractured his back this season, and we've talked about him on the podcast, and he's long been one of my favorite prospects in baseball, just from where he's come from, the improvements that he's made, uh, what he looks like as just this well-rounded player who could play center, play either corners at a very, very high level, and then also just has added so much power over the last couple years, looks like a maturing hitter every time I see him, and just, I love the swing. It's, It's unorthodox in some ways. But it is geared for lift and carry, and he generates that when he's right. When he came back off of that injury at the end of the season in AAA, he, you could tell he was guarding it a little bit, that back, and not really cutting loose. His exit velos were well down. He was just, I think, just getting his feet back under him, you know? And now we see him in the fall league, and he's starting to cut loose a little bit more. He looks more like that Brennan Davis that we became accustomed to as one of the best prospects in baseball. He's hitting pretty well through his, he's only played five games, but even in the small sample sizes, two home runs, 278, 381, 667 slash line. Don't really care about the stats though. What I've been looking at with Davis is how hard he's been hitting the baseball. He's been hitting it much harder. Even the ground outs, the line outs, the fly outs are coming off the bat harder. He is getting right, which is awesome. Addison Barger, That's a dude with the Toronto Blue Jays organization, second base shortstop. Had a phenomenal season, but he's struggling in the fall league. And I want to see what he has to offer. Maybe if there are some concerns, what he does well, maybe he'll get hot when I get there. That's another dude that I just haven't seen much of. So eager to see him. I'm just flying through names here, and I apologize if it's a lot at once. But one other player that has really impressed me, and I think could be a name to watch, and I'm going to help hopefully come away from this Fall League experience either way more excited about him or, you know, cautiously optimistic. But Joe Mack, catcher in the Marlins organization, he was the 31st overall pick in 2021. His swing looks 10 times better than it looked when he was first drafted. He has produced pretty well so far, already a pair of home runs, hitting the ball really hard and more consistently. I had swing and miss concerns with him with the moving parts to his swing. Those have been calmed down, quieted down. He lost this season uh, mostly because of an injury, so it was really hard to, to take anything away from this past year. But now getting a chance to get more ABs in the fall league, the Marlins really need a catcher in their organization, and Mack looks like he could be the future there if he continues on this track. His swing looks really good overall. And then, of course, Jordan Lawler with the Arizona Diamondbacks. I can't wait to see him. He has a chance to be one of the top 15 prospects in baseball. By the time we get to the midseason next year, he could be top 10 uh, with what he's able to do, both with the speed, now tapping into more power, the glove at short. That's what I'm most excited to see from Jordan Lawler is the glove at short. He's so athletic. He is so explosive. I want to see what kind of ability he has there. And I already have him as a plus defender. How elite can he be defensively? I am pumped to see that firsthand. Perhaps the most feel-good story of the fall league so far has to be Heston Kerstad. And Kerstad has been a little inconsistent overall, but he's putting up good numbers and hitting for power. And the former number two overall pick for the Baltimore Orioles in 2020 has not been able to play much. This was his first professional season, really, because of myocarditis, which, of course, affects the heart. And he was just not able to get on the field. And it was you know, concerning there for beyond baseball, just his health. And it was so good to just see him. I remember that video that came out of him just taking batting practice and 
that was so awesome to see in itself. But how about Kerstad playing a lot of games this year and working his way back? Dismantled low A pitching was a little bit more challenged against more advanced pitching. However, he was off for a long time and is still getting his feet back under him. He has 15 hits and 42 at-bats, which is great. 13 strikeouts is not the best thing in the world, but he's tapped into power. Three homers, four doubles. Very interested to see what the swing looks like, how comfortable he looks at the plate. Not going to draw any crazy conclusions from Kerstad, but just want to see what direction he's heading in. It seems like he's heading in the right one. And it's just good to see him playing, and I'm just happy for Kerstad and his family to see him back on the field and hopefully working towards tapping into what is that really exciting ceiling that he has as a powerful left-handed bat in right field. One other is Andy Pajes, outfield prospect with the Dodgers. He had not quite the year I was hoping for, and we talked about him on the Top 100 Breakdown and just about how he fell even though the season wasn't bad from him. It just was a step back in the on-base department and just the consistency contact-wise. Still hit plenty of home runs, and that's what he will do, and he's an athletic corner outfielder. I want to see how the whiff looks, right? I want to see how he handles elevated heat, you know, those high-spin fastballs at the top of the zone that give him some troubles, those good breaking balls that tunnel off of that. How is he separating those two? How is his pitch recognition? So far, he's been good in the fall league. Again, only six games, but he has a pair of home runs. He has seven hits and 24 at-bats, so everything has looked solid so far, only the four Ks and three walks. Pajes is a guy I have not seen in person in a bit, so very eager to to see what he looks like and if there's been some shortening up there. I think that's going to be the trend with a lot of these prospects. A lot of really talented dudes who could benefit from shortening up a little bit or just finding some more consistency with their approach, and those are all things that are much easier to take away in person. Luis Matos, outfield prospect with the Giants, lost season because of injuries, really struggled overall, but it was one of the best prospects in baseball just a year ago. It seems like A lot of the industry has been quick to take a step back off of him. Uh, We obviously dropped him quite a bit in our top 100 list, but at the same time, uh, I think it would be ridiculous to write this kid off. I want to see what that swing looks like, what his overall approach looks like, because the over-aggression at the plate was something that held him back a bit, and we're seeing him start to put up some good at-bats in the fall league, and he's a player I have not had the chance yet to see in person, which is always fun to check another exciting prospect off the list and, and get a little bit more of a firsthand write-up on them. On the pitching side, there are still plenty of plenty of arms who are intriguing and relevant to check out. I'm going to try my best to follow the schedule and see the arms that you want to hear me talk about, and I know which arms for the most part those will be. Quinn Priester has struggled a bit through three starts, 13 innings. He has given up eight earned runs, two home runs, five walks, and 12 strikeouts, but he could easily settle right back in and have a great outing. I want to see the stuff. I want to see the fastball, how he's using it, because sometimes he's got that two-seamer with a run, which I think he should lean into more. When he goes four-seamer, it's kind of dead zony. Very intrigued to see what that's going to look like in person. Brian Wu, right-handed pitching prospect with the Seattle Mariners. That is, sorry, blanked out for a second there. Brian Wu with the Seattle Mariners had a really intriguing season. Command issues a bit when he got to the high A level. It wasn't as much of an issue in the low A level, but this dude at 22 years old, 6'2", 205 pounds, a sixth round pick in 2021 by the Mariners. Really impressed with the strikeout stuff. Struck out nearly 13 per nine. He did see that walk rate jump in high A where 
from 7% low A, jumped up to 11% high A, but maintained a well over 30% strikeout rate the whole season. Intrigued to see the stuff. The fastball has some hop to it. He's got a solid changeup as well, and he has been good so far in the fall league. We haven't seen a ton of innings from him, but even in limited action so far, Wu has not given up a run in five innings. He struck out six, walked just one. Another player who I have not seen in person, and the pitch data is really, really rosy for him. People are very excited about him, is Emmett Sheehan, right-handed pitching prospect with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Sheehan had a phenomenal season in that Dodgers org. It seems like yet another arm that they were on before everybody else, and the Mariners and the Dodgers do it well. Guess what? He was a sixth-round pick as well in 2021, 192nd overall, about 18 picks after Brian Wu was selected. And what we saw from Sheehan this year was spectacular. He's going to turn 23 in a month, and he just carved up high A. It was it was kind of a joke for him. A 2.83 ERA in 63 and two-thirds innings. He struck out more than 14 batters per nine. For my percentage folks out there, that's 39% K rate. That's insane. He did walk 11% of batters at that level, though, which that's something to monitor. It's not catastrophic, especially when you're striking guys out at the clip you're striking them out at, and also giving up Almost no hard contact. Two home runs in 63 and two-thirds innings. Uh, That is going to play, especially when you strike at 101 in that span. Only 41 hits in those 63 and two-thirds innings as well. So it seems like the biggest challenge for Sheehan is him. So I'm interested to see how the mechanics look, how the repeatability looks there. But he has a fastball changeup combination that is a little bit reminiscent of Ryan Pepiot. And again, he's still young. Already got a taste of double A last year. Uh, He pitched about four innings, or I should say this past season, pitched four and a third innings in double A, so got a taste of it. He is big at 6'5", 220. I think there's a legitimate chance that Sheehan could be the better prospect than Pepeyote if he can develop the command. We know the Dodgers go with these stuff guys, but they have a better ability to develop them, and some of them don't quite have the command come around. We're seeing Pepeyote fight that issue, but we've also seen other guys really be able to put it all together, and I think Sheehan could interested to see how his mechanics look in person and that's going to be one of the guys that I will be sure to catch when I get out there in the coming days. Sheehan has made two appearances so far in the fall league six innings has not allowed a run struck out five so doing what he was doing for most of the season. Ryan Cusick another name he was traded over from the Braves to Oakland in that Matt Olson deal. He did not have the year you would expect. There's some big-time reliever risk with Cusick. He has been good so far, though, in nine innings. He has only surrendered one run, uh, but he has only struck out five and walked five. The command continues to be a concern, and I do fear that he does not have the repeatability to stick in the rotation, but I'll give you a more sure takeaway in the coming days. Joey Wentz has been spectacular as well. But he kind of should be. He pitched 32 innings at the big league level this year and was pretty solid in those 32 innings. A 3.03 ERA. Seems like this is just more work for him to just get more innings under his belt, maybe work on some things specifically. But in his eight innings, he's probably been the most dominant pitcher in that league. He's punched out 11, has not surrendered a run, walked only two, and surrendered just one hit. Depending on the health of some of the arms for this Detroit Tigers team at the big league level next year, Wentz could be an option. That might be why they they have him out here to build him up innings-wise a little bit. Uh, but he seemed to have figured it out in AAA, put up consistent numbers there, and uh, is somebody that could be a solid back end of the rotation arms. So 
more interested to just see how the three-pitch, four-pitch mix looks for him because he does have back end of the rotation potential, just turned 25 years old. Of course, the guy that I am most excited to see, and I don't think there's much question to it, is Tink Hens. Tink Hens is just so electric. I know he just threw yesterday, so probably hoping to see him on the back end of my trip here, but Tink Hens with the St. Louis Cardinals has just been dirty all year, and I was shocked that he spent the whole year in low A. I know he's young and he's raw, but his fastball is just explosive. His breaking ball is nasty, and he already has a good feel for a changeup. That seems like the kind of prospect with the athleticism that he has. The command is further along than most players with his stuff and his age and his level of experience. Surprised he didn't get called up, especially with how aggressive the Cardinals typically are. So I want to see him against what is more advanced competition for him in this Arizona Fall League compared to what he saw in low A this season. He did give up a home run the other day that was absolutely crushed by, I believe, Andy Pajes. And I just want to see more of those kind of matchups because this is a great, great test for Tank Hens as he gets ready for presumably high A next year. But I could see the Cardinals being like, eh. You know what? You look so good in the fall league, we'll send you to double. I presume, though, he will go to high A. The Cardinals are tough to predict what they're going to do with their prospect assignments. There's several other arms that I won't even mention on this podcast that I'll end up seeing in person and be like, whoa, uh, that guy's interesting, and I'll tell you all about him this week. Uh, So don't feel like I'm not going to cover anybody I didn't mention. The same goes for bats. I'm sure I missed a couple as well. But one other guy that I'm looking forward to seeing on the bump is Christian Roa, right-handed pitching prospect with the... Cincinnati Reds, and Roa's got some crazy stuff. He was a second-round pick in 2020, and I've heard really good things from hitters who have faced him, saying, this guy is downright nasty. He's 23 years old. He's battled some command issues, and high A really struggled with command, but then got up to double A, and in his three starts, seemed more comfortable with his command overall. He's got a shot of being a big league starter. He does, for sure, and, and a decent one at that. And I just have not seen too much firsthand, but hearing what I've heard from hitters who have faced him and seeing what some other evaluators have come away with from him, there's potentially four above-average pitches here. The fastball's solid, the slider's solid, the curveball's really solid. I'd say that's probably his best pitch, and the changeup's above-average also. If the command can get to average, you got a really interesting pitcher here. He's 6'4", 220. That's a guy that I just haven't seen. So this is somebody that is at the top of my list as well to hopefully catch. He got roughed up in his first outing, uh, which, you know, it's not a big deal. Uh, but he, in four innings so far, has given up, I believe it was six earned runs, struck out five, walked four. So the command continues to hold Roa back. We'll see how the delivery looks up close and personal in the next couple days. I'm going to dive into the sports card or eBay prospecting side of things in a second here, but real quick, just kind of rehash the coverage that you can expect from me and from just baseball uh, in the coming week from the fall league. So we'll have the sit down interviews that you'll get the audio version on this podcast. Absolutely. You'll get plenty of video from my personal Twitter at RMLayton8 and then also a lot of written content at justbaseball.com, which will also feature some discussions. If it's not a full sit-down podcast, still some good quotes and conversations with other players who are in a very pivotal part of their development here. You look at a Nick Gonzalez, somebody that I'm hoping to you know catch up with where he's at after another injury-riddled season, off to a good start in the fall league again, but he was great in the fall league last year. So how is he looking? How is the swing and miss there? Because that's another guy that was a an elite hit tool dude and then all of a sudden seems to have taken a step back in that department. I watched him do it on the Cape 
as good as anybody in terms of the hit tool. And then he's taking a step back there. So hoping to sit down with him and have a little bit of a conversation on you know what he's doing, even if it's not a full podcast. There's going to be some written up conversations as well, whether it's talking to guys about their approach, their journey, whatever it may be. But definitely expect audio written and then the video on Twitter as well. And I hope you follow along uh, for all the coverage because I will be grinding to get you as much information and conversation and takeaways as possible. So let's take a look at what some of these players are doing on the card market because this is an opportunity to see a little bit of these dudes, see a little bit of what they're doing in the fall league while the market may not be as you know hot and as popular at the moment when the season's winding down, when the season's over, and you can be looking at some of these players who are still getting a chance to show us something and get some takeaways for your prospecting uh, just needs and being able to pick up some players based on what we see here. And there's a couple guys that I'm focusing on in this fall league to see you know if I really want to push across the finish line and make that investment in some of their cards before the season starts next year because as you know, when they get off to a hot start, oftentimes the card market reacts really quickly in the early parts of a season. But the first guy's Jackson Merrill, and I've talked about him. He doesn't have a Bowman Chrome Auto yet. He only has a Bowman Chrome first, and you can get that Bowman Chrome first for a few bucks. I would scoop up all of the Merrill Bowman Chrome first that you can because that Padres shortstop prospect can really hit. He's going to climb quickly. I, I feel like the industry is really going to come around on him. I, not that they need to come around on him because I don't think anybody doesn't like him, but I think the industry is really going to get excited about him soon because you have the bat to ball, you have the burgeoning power, and you have the projectable frame. And I, I've talked to a lot of people who have seen him through the years and saw him at the Area Code games, and like I mentioned before, who swear that he's more athletic than he has given credit for. That's a guy I'm scooping up his Bowman Chrome first in droves, and uh, I would recommend you do it too before I buy them all. Uh, but also, someone that I have not bought into yet, and I'm really interested to see how he looks out there, because if I see enough projectability with the bat, I will be scooping up his cards. Another player who doesn't have an autograph yet, Yorbit Vivas on eBay. His Bowman Chromes are going for about 3 to 4 maybe $5. He's a Dodgers infield prospect. And I scratched that. I'm actually looking at some of his cards right now on eBay that are going for a dollar or even two dollars. That's a great buy. Uh, And I'm going to probably scoop some up anyway. I've pulled a bunch already, so kind of holding them. But if I really like what I've seen from this 21-year-old in terms of, again, the projectability, then I'll probably try to go for more of his rare cards on eBay, some of the numbered ones, even though we don't have the autograph, because the bat-to-ball is for real. And he's a high-floor guy, but we saw him tap into more power this year. 21 years old, a really nice left-handed swing, didn't strike out at all last year we saw him hit in high a 318 422 424 in 23 games and it was more of the same in low a where he only struck out 11 percent of the time and hit 311 389 515 so the question was the power because when he was in low a he hit 13 home runs in 83 games that was great but then gets to high a only one home run in 23 games well he repeats high a i wouldn't even say it's repeating because he just got a taste of it at the end of last year and in 128 games this year in high A, 10 home runs. Nothing crazy, but it really solid. Seven triples, 19 doubles. We're seeing that power start to come out. Again, he's 21 years old. Not as much projection on his frame, but when you're walking more than you strike out and your power upticks at that high A level, very interested. The bat is going to give him a really high chance of being a big leaguer. He can play second. He can play third. He could get by it short if you really need him to. If there is impact there that is a little bit more or that defies his frame a bit, then 
I'll go from, yeah, pick him up if you like him, to that's a guy you should absolutely buy. So I'm interested to see uh, what, what kind of takeaways I get in that regard. One other Dodgers prospect that it really shocks me how cheap his cards are. I know he's somebody that dropped in our top 100 rankings, but he's still a top 100 guy, as I mentioned earlier. Andy Pajes, his cards are just way too cheap given the upside that he has and still even in what was a quote-unquote down year, what he's been able to do. Uh, This guy's cards on eBay right now are going for $40. His Bowman Chrome Auto, his base Bowman Chrome Auto is going for $40. We've seen Dodgers prospects like Luis Rodriguez, who, you know, didn't do anything in the rookie league, going for way more than that on pure speculation. That's what this prospecting market is, right? It's it's speculation. Well, you can still speculate big time on Pajes. I feel like we're we're pitting him against himself. Last year, 30 home runs, 31 home runs in 120 games in high A as a young 20-year-old. And all of a sudden, he hits 26 home runs. Yes, it was a 236, 336, 468 slash line, but this guy still hit 26 home runs in Double A this year. Let's be let's be sure of the fact that that is still good. That is still impressive. We're seeing him lift the ball. We're seeing the strikeout rate remain pretty consistently tolerable. Right, 24.5% K rate last year. 24.5% K rate this year. The walk rate did drop by three and a half percent. But that's going to happen when he gets to double A. He still walked at an 11% clip. I want to see more consistency with the bat. A 271 Babbitt didn't help, and I don't know how much of it was bad batted ball luck versus just not a lot of good contact that didn't leave the yard. Uh, because, of course, home runs don't count towards Babbitt, and if your non-homers are more weak contact or lazy fly balls, yeah, of course you're going to have a lower Babbitt. That said, this guy's hit 57 home runs over his last 252 games. That is really good for a 20 to 21 year old. And he still is not striking out 30, 35% of the time. It was 24.5% for two consecutive years. He has the potential to make highlight real plays in the outfield with a 70, almost 80 grade arm, which I really think kind of helps that overall profile. He could be an above average outfielder in the corner. He can get by in center because he's an above average runner. This is a really athletic, really explosive player who already hit two home runs the other day in the fall league, both of which were over 108 miles an hour. This dude really hits the ball hard. I, I'm definitely buying his Bowman Chrome Autos at $40. I'm admitting that, you know, or acknowledging that I could lose some money there. He might be more high risk than these other prospects. But when you can go on eBay, and it, it's amazing the volume of them too. There's a lot of cards available. If you kind of survey on eBay, you're going to find some for maybe $30, $35, $40. Or you might be able to scoop up one of his out of 99s for surprisingly cheap. I just saw one of his out of 99 refractors on eBay go for $190, and it was a Beckett 9.5. Uh, for those who might not be card nerds, I mean, that that is a grade that would make the card significantly more valuable, not as much as PSA, but it makes the card more valuable, and he is still only going for 190 I would have thought that ungraded, that card would go for more than 190 So this is a good time to get in on Pajes because I think he's going to have a great fall league. He's on his way to another year of 30 home runs, technically speaking, if we combine the fall league here because he hit 26 and he's already well on his way to hitting a handful of homers in this fall league. And again, the swing and miss is not this egregious concern of mine. I I feel like his prices on eBay almost reflect as if he is this high, 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 high strikeout guy, whereas it's, it's really not that bad. So that was one of the biggest surprises for me and probably one of my favorite buys right now on eBay is Andy Pajes at that $40 range. Or if you really believe in him, I would wait before you know going all in. But that said, we might see some prospectors really get excited about what he's doing in the fall league because he's one of my favorite candidates to 
really hitting this fall league. He's a fly ball hitter. The ball's going to carry there. He hits the ball hard. He's going to miss it home runs. And the swing and miss, if it wasn't a devastating concern in double A, it's not going to really be a massive concern in the fall league, which I think is probably a step down uh, pitching competition-wise with a few exceptions here and there when he faces the Emmett Sheehan's of the world, which he can't because he's on his team. But maybe a Quinn Priester, Joey Wentz, one of those types of guys where that's going to be the fun challenge. And I think he can absolutely handle that type of pitching. A reminder to just kind of always check on eBay. I, I go on there and just go Bowman Chrome Auto survey, see what the market's doing and just have some fun with it. You don't have to spend big money. I, I spend five, ten dollars sometimes on Bowman Chrome Autos. I was talking about Casey Schmidt, friend of the show that was on not too long ago. You can scoop his autos up for ten bucks. That guy has a great chance of being a starting third baseman at the big league level. And it allows you to follow these guys and have some fun with it. Uh, one other name that I am very interested in following in this fall league and someone I'm, I'm shocked I didn't remember to mention earlier is Colt Keith. Colt Keith of the Detroit Tigers is a fascinating prospect right now because Keith has always had the bat to ball skills. We saw him tap into more power this year and then an injury cut his season short. Keith has put on 30 pounds of what he says is good weight. I buy it. 30 pounds of good weight. He was about 210, 215 pounds. He's now 245. So he's 6'3, 245, third baseman who really can hit the ball consistently. We saw in 48 games in high A this year, only struck out 19% of the time, was hitting 301, 375, 44, had the nine homers, and has put on the, the added weight and strength since being injured as part of that rehab. And at only 21 years old and just turned 21, he's going to start the season next year in double A. He's going to presumably hit for more power and hit the ball with more authority, having added all this muscle. He has the frame that can accommodate that. And he already was showing the bat-to-ball skills that had the Tigers interested in him in the 2020 draft. When you have, when you have that bat-to-ball skill and then the projectability frame-wise, and he's now filled into that projection, we saw it even before he added that strength with the nine homers in 48 games. There could be plus power on the horizon for Colt Keith, and his Bowman Chromatos are going for about $30 on eBay. $30. I've seen some go for a little bit more. I've seen some go for a little bit less. So settling in around the $35 range for Colt Keith, who's going to start next year in double A, could have more power, could be the starting third baseman by 2024 for this Detroit Tigers team that you still hope is up and coming. I know it was a bad year this year, but he could be the third baseman for a young core of bats coming up through this Tigers system. And I'm just so curious to see how much more power is added with all of that muscle and added weight that he has put on here over the last few months, but I would scoop up a couple cards in speculation at $35. This is not $60, $65, for a corner guy who was having a phenomenal year and has added more to what he is doing or trying to do in the power department. And we'll see how he does in the fall league. It's still early, but he's off to an excellent start thus far. And 20 at bat, seven hits. He already is slashing 350, 483, 450. So the power is not quite shown yet but the bat to ball skills are there and this is somebody that I, I know it's going to take some time to maybe consistently lift and tap into that you know power in, in a game sense but I'm very intrigued to just see the exit velos because he's still very raw still very young finding that consistency with the lower half that gave him troubles in his first professional season seemed to make some big strides in that department this year I just want to see what some of the raw exit velos look like so we see what kind of power we can be dreaming on here because again I do believe in the hit tool that'll do it for today's episode 
Definitely subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Do you know, kind of stay tuned to everything we're going to be putting out here over the next week and a half, two weeks from the Fall League. All of the coverage. Very excited about that. As always, if you have any questions, feel free to message me on Twitter at armwayton8, and I'll be happy to try to get to all of those, especially with all the travel I'll be doing. I always like to catch up on prospect-related questions or any guys that you really want me to see. Feel free to tweet at me there as well. Looking forward to breaking down the Fall League and going over the takeaways with you over the next couple weeks. Let's get to it. I'll be out in Arizona tomorrow, and I will talk to you right around then. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. $5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, three hundred dollars You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash iron from using upside to help pay for a vacation later this year download the free upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas use promo code game to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank you can cash out anytime right to your bank paypal or a gift card for amazon and other brands just download the free upside app and use promo code game for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank that's code game for a 25 cents per gallon bonus